we get to do something else. As long as all that food doesn't kick in and you, you know, pass out or something. That can happen. You know why we don't have recliners in here? <laughs> this is it right here. There is um, something we can do that helps understand Scripture better, helps with, uh, uh, you can watch the news, so, sort of separate things out and uh, conversations and, uh, and ways that can improve relationships, all of that. And this is, in a quick session, some of that, improving truth filters. So this improving truth filters will help us a little bit on, on putting those pieces together. So this will require focus. And we're going to do a, a practical thing here in a little bit. And when we hit that, we're going to see how well we can focus. And that will become uh, key to how this works in, in practical ways for all of us. In, in relating to other people. So let's just run through some things. So better understanding and, and relationships. There are a number of items that come up, and these are maybe familiar to you and maybe not. Uh, gaslighting is something that's kind of been a popular term these days, and it's just making somebody think they're crazy by uh, associating whatever they think. You take the opposite side, or you say, everybody thinks... Otherwise, you're just nuts. You're out of step. You don't understand. And, and then that person begins to think that they are, uh, maybe they'll question their, their self-image, their abilities, the facts. All kinds of things start to fall apart. So that's, that's something that people can do. Circular reasoning is stating one thing and then coming using that statement to say, arguing, 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 to come back to that same place, using that as the basis, not evidence, just this is, this is my, my statement uh, of fact, and then I'm going to use it to argue right back to the same place. And that um, the Bible is true. You know, we can do this as Christians. The Bible is true because the Bible says it's true. I believe the Bible's true because the Bible says it's true. Based on what? Because the Bible says it's true. The Bible's true. What have we said? Nothing. It's circular reasoning. We're basing it on the very thing that we're trying to prove without having evidence. If you're a believer and you go, oh, the Bible's, you know, I hold up my Bible, and my Bible's true. Great. Somewhere in there, you've got to have something besides just saying the Bible says it. Because there are a lot of books out there that say they're true. A lot of people that say they're speaking the truth. And it's just arguing in a circle. So that's circular reasoning. And here's the practical part. In a minute, when you get to apply this, you're going to use these, and you have to identify what's going on in, the, in this uh, situation that's coming up. Uh, red herring. Davey had a, a class, and that's kind of the conversation came up this last week, and they were throwing out some of these things in this class. And I thought, you know what? That would really help in identifying some things for everybody, just recognizing that these things are uh, 
are out there floating around. And so um, we're, that's why we're going to take a look at it. There are actually echoes of a number of things that fit into this particular vein. And the really scary part is I'm a philosophy major, so I love this stuff. So it's kind of like, ooh, you did what in school? Oh, and then I have to calm down. Okay, so the red herring is, is a distraction. You, here's, here's a truth, and you're, you're going in this direction, and, and you go, okay, I need to get to Claremore. But along the way, you go, oh, there's the road to Abar Ranch. And you just take off. Or, oh, look, there's a Dollar General. And you, you get all of these things that distract you along the way. So red herring is something that's thrown out there. Here's the truth. You need to go in this direction. And all of a sudden, you go in another one with all of these other things that look like they're as important or way important. So if we're supposed to be thinking about the thing, heavenly things, how many red herrings do we have in a day that take us all kinds of directions? that aren't important, have nothing to do with getting us to where we need to be. But we're going to follow those. Have you ever, I'm just trying to think of practical thing, not philosophical ones. You don't need to hear those. So you go from the bedroom to the kitchen, and then you go, now why am I here? What did I come for? What happened between, because you went there for a reason. Whatever that reason was, Somewhere between the bedroom and, and the kitchen, how many red herrings took place before you got there so you didn't do what you went to do in the first place, which was the reason you got up and walked? How many things in life, we're getting thrown red herrings all the time, and they're going, and they grab our attention, and then we run off in a direction. Conversations will do that, and you go, how are we supposed to be talking about this Somebody says one thing, trigger, bam, I got four stories on that. That's not getting us anywhere. We just need to fix the carburetor. But no, I got to hear all four stories. And then those stories lead to other triggers that go to, well, keeps you busy. Ad hominem abusive. This is an attack on an individual. So if somebody is presenting facts about something. They actually have evidence and they're making a statement about something. Instead of listening to the facts and getting the evidence, understanding what the other person is saying, the person they're talking to decides to go for, well, you're just an idiot. You're just from prior. No wonder. Oh, you're from, you know, you identify a person that's, well, you know, you're rich, you're poor, you're dumb, you, you're too tall, you're too short, you're it's some, picking something about an individual and, and going after that rather than talking about the facts or the conversation, the focus of the conversation that you were supposed to be on. Ad hominem abusive is it's pointed at a person, you know, like homo sapien, not the other, homo sapien, and you're going to abuse them in some way, so maybe that'll help. Remember that one. So ad hominem abusive is often used. People use it all the time. 
instead of actually listening to another person and, and understanding what is being said. Theologically or in, in Christian circles, people will go, well, that's just because you're Baptist or you're charismatic or you, you're, you're Lutheran or you're, you know, what, and some, pick some. Instead of listening to what is being said, an assumption is already made and then just a blatant statement is made. So that one doesn't help a person understand or build better relationships. Outbursts of anger. Outbursts of anger. You probably know about that one. But that is a ploy in an argument to just blow up. I can stop this argument if I get loud and... If people have been around enough outbursts of anger, they will tend to shy away if they have a tendency to go that direction. Some will just get on your throat, but others will back away. So the outburst changes the dynamics of the arg- argument. Argument mean, being the actual facts and evidence being presented in a conversation. So it just gets lost in the middle of that because now anger is just, so we've got this emotional thing that's just blowing up. And it divides, and it doesn't allow for what are we trying to talk? What are we talking about? What's the real topic here? And we can't get there because we just blew up. On top of that, one throw in physical threats. You get abusive. And think of marriages and and just this list, and how many people in marriages are in a situation where it gets loud. They're not listening. Ad hominem abusive. Well, that's how your your family did it that way. Well, my family did it right. We did it this way. And so, you know, all of the stuff that comes into that. And then it gets loud, outbursts of anger. And it can turn to physical harm. And you'll see how many people are, you know, murder-suicide things that are going on. And you go, where does all that come from? It just keeps elevating. So... Why don't we learn how to listen to these things and and not respond in those ways? Actually focus on the theme or the topic or the the problem at hand or trying to find a a way to just be um, civil with other people. That's part of what this is all about. So here's the practice part. Here's the practice part. Stay focused on the styles of arguments. So just we just went over a list. There's actually, there were a whole bunch more in here, but I thought that would be enough to try to keep in your heads for this amount of time. So stay focused, focused on the, the style of arguments. You're listening or watching for how people handle this. Avoid picking sides. We're going to see how you do. Listen for logical fallacies. And, the, you know, gave you some of those. Watch for breakdowns in communication. And again, focus as you practice this. Okay, you ready for that? Take a deep breath. It's going to go... Interesting. You ready? Video's going to come on. We need audio on and all that stuff. You have to bifurcate it. Did she deserve the honor? Probably not. Is she brave? 
of course she's brave. All those years invested as, as this sports legend. To come out transgender is horribly difficult. It is the most difficult thing you can do. I've been overseas. I've flown uh, helicopter missions, surveillance missions. I've been shot, stabbed. Being brave is being yourself. And being transgender is, is about the bravest thing you can do. Did with she deserve the award? Yes. Why are we mainstreaming delusion? Uh, it's not delusion. Why, why would you delusion. call it delusion? Because Bruce Caitlyn Jenner, I'll call him Caitlyn Jenner. No, because it's that's her. The, You're not being polite to the pronoun. Because disrespect. It, okay, forget about the disrespect. Facts don't care about your feelings. It turns out that every chromosome, every cell in Caitlyn Jenner's body is male with the exception of some of his sperm cells. You it turns out that he's male. Wait, I need it to... turns out that he still has all of his male appendages. But, How but, he feels on the inside is irrelevant but, to the question of his biological status. I'm not, I, I don't agree with that. I'm not on that train. <laughs> I'm not on that train. <laughs> so she wants spoke. to be called she. I'm going to call her she. I just have a problem with the message and the messenger. Zoe, well, let's let's now let's. I'm going to do two things. I want to re reiterate what Zoe said, which is the bifurcation of the courage to come forward after a lifetime as a male and a certain kind of a male versus did she deserve this award listen the awards what are award ceremonies except the opportunity to catch some eyes especially the so, yeah it's like espn well, well done abc they did exactly what their job was to attract eyes they did it that's what award ceremonies are for but in terms of the science behind gender uh, dysphoria you you're very familiar with that so very familiar it's not about the chromosome Excuse me, the chromosomes within we our both know nuclei. Yeah, chromosomes don't necessarily mean you're male or female. Gender. With gender. Gender identity. Go ahead. Now, so Especially what, but even so, you have a thing like Kleinfelter's syndrome. So you don't know what you're talking about. You're not educated on genetics. Would you to discuss the genetics or well, no? Well, no, what no. are your genetics? I, I, so I'd stay away from the genetics and back to the brain scans. You cut that out now or you'll go home in an ambulance. Yeah, that seems mildly inappropriate for a political discussion. No, I know. Well, yeah. but wait, to be fair, but to be, but to be fair, wait, but to be fair, you but to be fair, you're actually being hey guys, rude. You're that, no, 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 and that's no, no, no. not fair. I'm sorry, it's not rude to say that someone who is biologically a male a is a male. You just someone who is biologically male is a male. But Mr. So. Shapiro, you know, you knew very well that what, saying that to Zoe would be would be egregiously insulting. Hmm. So, what did you observe? <laughs> Physical threat. Albert's anger. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so you, the thing that can happen in all of that is getting caught up in oh, I'm on this side of that argument or this side of that argument, and miss all the fallacies that have nothing to do with the real argument. So we can get off focus in a heartbeat. And you've been in arguments, and, and this is neither you know, pro or con on what they're talking about. It's just what is showing. It was just I needed a hot button video so that... You kind of get, get sucked into the thing. But responding to this stuff is what happens in marriages, in a conversation with somebody that you're on opposite poles of this thing. And all of a sudden, all of these things will start coming out. And, and then it gets intense. You feel it in your stomach. Your throat tightens up. And you go, Ugh, and then... 
you see red and things get, get lost. And the conversation's lost. And the relationship can be lost. And all of those things are happening because we're not staying focused on, okay, that's, we just took a big turn here and headed in a direction that doesn't help actually help us to understand each other or really listen to the other person. So that's just an example of, of extreme example of, of those things going sideways in a short amount of time. But the uh, practicing knowing that when we're having a conversation to, to focus on the, what is being said and actually listening to the other person, it really is going to make a, a difference in repeating back if you're not sure what the other person says uh, just to understand where they're coming from repeating back some of the things that you're hearing in a way that reflects that you heard or that you're actually listening to them have you ever had the the uh, thing going on in your head you're having a conversation with somebody and they are talking about whatever their story is and because they say the word i don't know boat taxi, redbud tree, what something, all of a sudden, that's all you pick up on. That's your trigger to tell this is a jukebox. A1 or A, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. B, 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, jukebox. You press A7. Redbud, A12. I'm going to play my story for you now. I have no idea what you're talking about, and it really doesn't matter because you said, Redbud, A12. I'm going to play my story. And the next thing you say will help me trigger another story so I can tell you, and I'm still not listening. So you stop that little worrying thing that's going on in, inside the head by reflecting back something that they're talking about, asking a question, a follow up question, or two follow up questions. If you can do two, if you can go too deep, when you're talking to somebody, somebody about something they're telling you about, and it's important to them, this isn't the, the, the probably minor things, you're just passing time, but if it's something of significance, you can ask a follow-up question. If you do that, that says, I'm listening, and I'm interested. Maybe not in the topic. Maybe not at all in the topic. You're just interested in another human being who you consider valuable. So you ask a question, follow up. Or you really get good at this, you ask another one after that, and you follow up on that. Or you make a comment on top of it, whatever the response is, that's in tune with what they just said. Do you know how quickly outbursts of anger, physical violence, all that other goes away? When you do something like that, Almost immediately, because it takes all of that pain out of it. Does, does that solve the differences when we, you know, we need legitimate places where we can have debate and talk about things and learn from each other. So there's a place where we have disagreements, but we can't solve the disagreements by going the, this direction without turning it into a war. So if we want this, we ha we have to actually practice uh, spotting those things and going, you know, and we don't have to point out, you're gaslighting me. We don't have to do that. Just, just recognize. 
Yeah. That's another hominid. Hurt my heart. Yeah. Just, yeah, we can just skip it. But if we know it, then we know that that hit, and, and, or we know where, where it's headed, and then we can use it to, and, and deflection actually is a red herring. So <laughs> you might want to use one to kind of bring this thing back around, calm it down, kind of, you know, get this, and, and then get it back on track. Because there's conversations that need to happen, and they need to encourage uh, freedom and, and being able to talk and throw out ideas and wrestle with them. You going to say something, Dave? No, I just don't. I second that. Oh. <laughs> We draw it out, help them draw it out, yeah. So what uh, technique is it when you ask a question and you get a question back instead of an answer? What is that? Don't, a- <laughs> don't answer the question. <laughs> yeah, like what? Is that or is that, what is or deflect, what is that? It, well, it, it can actually draw out m- more information so you can okay. respond. Yeah, and sometimes it's used just to ask enough questions to make you look stupid. So it's also a gaslighting technique, and you can keep using it, and keep using it, and keep using it until you ask enough questions that a person who's an expert in a field will run out of answers, and then they'll look, "Oh, you're just stupid because you can't answer that." Actually, the person asking them repeatedly like that is. Yeah, or think about red buds and go off on another story, <laughs> go somewhere else. But yeah, that's a technique. Yeah, yeah. So the, all of those things, and, and some of that's defensive. You know, we just grow up coming. Uh, how do we respond to people? How we've seen people respond to other people? How our personality comes together? We tend to go one way or the other. In, in some conversations, we're, we're, we're aggressive. In other ones, we're pulling away, and we'd rather run and hide than not deal with it. Doesn't, it doesn't help anybody solve whatever it is we're trying to deal with. The conversation needs to happen. We need to resolve it, or we need to find answers, or together we could maybe you know, live this kingdom of God thing on earth if we actually pulled together instead of running and hiding and not talking about things. Because if you bring up stuff like death and dying, man, that'll shut some people down quick. They go, wow, you know, that's that's kind of um, you know every person is going to have to deal with this, and you've ever dealt with it around you, but also personally, it's coming. So we ought not ever talk about that. <laughs> I took well again philosophy. So philosophy, one of the uh, areas that we pursued, and this is in the 70s, so the uh, death and dying movement, not that we haven't been dying for a long time, but the death and dying movement of actually doing the science and, and digging into it and how do people respond and how do you deal with the grief and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, I mean, there's all these things that were written, Raymond Moody wrote on those things, all of that was coming out. So that's included in philosophy. So we started 
reading everything that was out there, researching all those things. And it was to talk to people. It was so rare that people would talk about it. They didn't have much on palliative care, which is a big thing now. And hospice and all that stuff has all started up since. Back then, it was like, you die, you just dead. Just, just, you know, good luck. Put you in a hospital. Or if you're at home. It It just didn't have all of the extras that are part of it now. And it came out of that movement. But the idea that you can't talk about that really doesn't help anyone. Because it's very real. And... You, in churches, we could talk about heaven, talk about salvation, certainly couldn't talk about the the process of death. Well, we want somebody to be there and pray with us during the dying side. But to actually understand what the emotional, uh, well, spiritual, even the spiritual stuff was pretty much dull for a long time. So... Topics just got left out. And you go, that's a major that's a major thing that should have been there. I'm glad it you know changed and we, we've got conversations that are happening now. But running from that doesn't help anyone. So you have a conversation instead of saying, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to think about it, just just nothing. I don't you know, I don't want to hear that I've got cancer. I don't ever mention it, and then you throw in the theology around Tulsa, and you go, "If you say it, you will get it. If you say it, you will die of it." If you and you go, "That's nonsense." So, how do we talk about it? Well, we have to do it without throwing in all of these things or running away from it. We have we have to be able to talk without getting somebody going, "Oh, what you're coming from? You went to this school, or you went to that church, and so I'm not listening to you." They go, no, just listen to the facts of this without jumping into ad hominem abusive or, or throwing out circular reasoning. I believe it because I believe it. Well, that helps. Yeah, we, got, we just have a bunch of those. Let me give you a couple of verses. Listen and practice control. James, James 1, verses 19 and 20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Well, there's a huge bummer. (laughs) Quick to listen. So you get that one. See, that's that, that little tendency we have to, oh, there's a trigger. Now I get to tell my story and not really listen to the end of your sentence because I'm going to move forward with my story because the most important thing in this conversation is me nope be quick to listen slow to speak well that's a challenge and slow to get angry what did we see in the video well these guys aren't necessarily Christians so we're not dealing with that anyway but the human tendencies are not to listen speak And get hot. Just tendencies. So this whole thing of walking with Jesus is way different than that. And that's what James is is pointing out. And begin on the inside. 
This is from Proverbs 12, verse 16. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. What? A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. And you get to see that in daily life. And you can listen to it on the radio. You can watch it on TV. You can see it in a news program. You can see it in uh, interviews or group thing like we saw in the video. But anyway, you just you, you get an idea of inside. We are so ready. We are so seething. We've got so many things going on that apart from the work of the Spirit of God, this is going to be us. We're just going to respond. We're going to get hot. We just, it's almost impossible for a human being to respond wisely without the power of the Spirit of God working within them to bring about such a change that their frame of reference is different, their emotional state is different, they have the power to not fall apart because their whole identity is not wrapped up in winning this argument, which is part of it. My identity is wrapped up in the argument. I have to prove that I'm right about every little stinking thing or I don't exist on this planet. And when people feel threatened at that level, they will fight and fume and get defensive about everything. And you don't have to, which is what Solomon is pointing out. So a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Does that mean that, that there's not a place for anger? Yeah, righteous anger. So that's a whole different kind of a thing. Is there a place for those emotions? Is there a place for physical violence? Absolutely. If you see a small child being attacked in the park, feel free to get mad and stop it. Jump in there and stop it. And if you need to throw bricks, hit with a bat, whatever you got to do, stop it. Physical violence. That's righteous anger. Is there a, uh, a reason to run down to the park and just yelling at somebody? No. So that's human anger, you know, for some. Or they cut me off in traffic. Oh, I need to be hot and mad. Yeah, that's human again. We, we, can, we can lose all of it in a heartbeat on this stuff. And, think, and, and fighting about things we don't need to. So there's a higher goal. And that's out of 2 Corinthians 10. And again, the video wasn't about a Christian thing. I just needed a hot topic to kind of get us into this thing. So 2 Corinthians 10. We are human. And, the, and he's writing this to Christians, to the Corinthian church. But we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. That's from the Christian perspective. We we have to realize, okay, there's... We're human. We're here. We have to communicate with humans, and we need to understand what's going on with us and how we communicate and how these relationships work. We need to do that. But we need God's mighty weapons to do this. So we want to help people move beyond where they're stuck. 
even the video we saw, we could solve a whole lot of that if people came to recognize who God is, worship him, and then the arguments or the, the conversation changes. It's totally different. But it requires coming to know him. We have to tear down some arguments that, that keep him far away. So in this case... We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. Which would be the worldly ones? Uh, Gaslighting, circular reasoning, violence, scream holler. I mean, you just throw all of those in there. That's, that's the human way we do stuff. And he's saying, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to take down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Are we going to do that? We're going to do that by helping people know God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We're moving in a different direction. What the world does out there and all the crazy stuff that comes up, how we respond to January 6th or what we see in the politicians. or I mean, you can throw out all of the hot topic buttons. All of them ran through my mind to play for you, but I didn't. But all of those, you think, okay, we, you know, we really need to take a side, and we need to. You got the solution to all of this is we tear down the strongholds that are keeping people away from Christ. We come together, in and around the one true God, and the other stuff begins to melt away. That's how we get there. What's our main issue? And this isn't about the the argument side of it, but the the main the higher goal is that we help people, we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. They come away from that, ourselves included, away from wherever that rebellion is, wherever those tendencies are. And one of those places that it shows up is in these, in relationships when we start using these arguments or styles of arguments and letting them control us. We don't focus often in an argument on the center what is the main issue here? Even when we're talking about, I want you to go pick up milk. Well, you brought home milk from Dollar General, not Brahms. We should have a real knockdown drag out about that. You go, why would we do stuff like that? It's, it, it gets out of hand and we go, the objective was to get milk. I came with milk. End of discussion. Nobody said it has to be Brahms. Well, then it has to be 2%. Don't be bringing that other stuff. But it's all the different things that we come up with in our lives. And how, how many times we get wound up. Have you ever done it? Just get hot over stuff? <laughs> you go, what? <laughs> Just like an unnecessary... Think, what is the main thing? And if it's a real conversation, what is the theme topic? And how can I understand that other person? My gift to them is to listen. Actually understand what they're saying. Not get defensive and take my side and start going down this road. Or if they're throwing out some of these things, not to get sucked in by them. That's why I'm telling you this is actually keep you from getting sucked in. So you don't run down that because your tendencies as a human is to run after it. And go, oh, wow, there's a red herring. I love herring. And off we go. So we can, we can break away. God's given us a way. We don't have to do it anymore. And we can be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. 
and focus on the things that are going on and give people a listening ear with a caring heart and amazing things can happen. What kind of place do you work at? Yeah, often the case, yeah. Listen to it all until it's all done and then find out what the problem is and tell them to take care of it. Yeah. It kind of makes me think of this, you know. Yeah. We often cut people off, though, before they're through, even with an explanation. And I'm bad about doing that, too. I cut them off. What? Sherry tells me, don't let anybody interrupt. I talk too much. Thanks, Sherry. This maybe was a bad topic. <laughs> oh. Well, I was thinking about most of us learn communication when we're growing up from our family. Not knowing it might not be good. I mean, we don't know. And then you get married. And still not had any training in this area. And they have learned from their family. And I just, I would now, Scripture has it, but many of us at that young age haven't gotten into the Word enough that we see the counsel of God in communication, but that's hard because so many married couples, those early years, we have arguments or disagreements that really later, I mean, as we're older, we kind of get it, but it's sad that we don't have that talk maybe at a younger age because learning it at home isn't necessarily the best scenario. I mean, there might be some families out there where it's just so healthy and they're doing this, but it's not many. I don't know it, but I believe that. Yeah. And so I'm glad you're talking, and you talked on this before, but I just, wouldn't this just be so valuable for teens and newly marrieds to Mm. to just learn about better communication and, and what's actually happening? And Because I don't think we mean to be ugly with one another, especially with those we love and care about. But all those things kind of come up. I mean, rise up in it. It's just weird. Anyway, I was thinking about that. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it rises up is right. You can feel it. Right. <laughs> then it comes out your mouth. Sometimes I, I see the, the Christian um, family across the world, the body of Christ is so just, just, just cut up into a thousand pieces, and it's all, none of it comes from the Lord. If, if it was from the Holy Spirit working through both sides, it wouldn't have split off in the first place, I don't think. I'm wondering if some of those strongholds of human reasoning false arguments haven't been a part of a lot of different denominations through the centuries, you know? Like, uh... Oh, they, yeah. Denominations are going to do that 
because the human part is there. Yes, they make their tradition and then they put that right up there with God. Yeah. You know, with the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit's doing. And, and then you get Christians who want to believe and they think they're believing and maybe they're trying to do what, you know, they think they heard was right, but they're not, not, they're not using God's mighty weapons yeah, at all. Yeah, it's only partial. Which is true for all around the world, all the different styles, and all the different different Christian groups, and and there's just cultural differences. Even the New Testament, the the uh, Jerusalem Church was way different than the Antioch Church. The Antioch Church is different than Ephesus Church. First uh, Corinth was different, way different than everybody. And, and Rome is different, and you've got, because they're different people, groupings, and, and the climate, and whatever their businesses are, or their agriculture, so they, things build up around that, they're all going to be a little bit, well, a little bit different. And that's just, that's natural, just fine. I mean, just, the main thing is, do they, do they, is Christ central in these in each one of them, regardless of, they can add all these other traditions and dress different and different styles of worship and all that stuff. They can do that. And yeah, the Lord's not bothered that we have distinctives. He wants us to be creative. If we were all, you know, one size fits all thing, that he wouldn't like that either. So that's not creative. So yeah. No, that's a problem. Yeah. Condemning everybody else is a problem. You know what I mean? That we can't think of every crowd obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. It, you know, that our, I don't mean this church, this church is different. This church is called the Lord. And my understanding, you know, but I've been in some where the church is more important than knowing God and really following Him, you know? Yeah, that can happen. But the idea is we keep following Him. We stay centered on him and that's why these things come down is because we keep keep that focus and if we do that then the uh, the, the things that stand in a way even understanding more fully how the Holy Spirit operates how, how he changes our thinking from a worldly focus to a more spiritual focus like we were talking this morning so we can see the heavenly things and we can see that and he changes us from the inside, and you know, we're going to get better at it. Nobody perfects that this side of death, but <laughs> we can get better, and we can be better. There are just you know, there's great people in all all these different variety of of believers from these different way different backgrounds, and when it's focused on Christ, it's just neat. It's like it's like they're different the different foods and you, you go to an international buffet somewhere and they have all of this stuff. You go, well, I never ate that and I didn't grow up with that. And, and you try it and you go, that's really good. Yeah. Cause it can all provide that kind of nourishment. The churches can do that from wherever they are. And they, there's some really weird things going on out there, but they're still honoring the Lord. And yeah, yeah, we're going to cover some of that pretty, pretty, quick in Colossians what's coming up 
<laughs> so we'll see how that works. Yeah. Any other thoughts? All right. Well, we're going to pursue the Lord and uh, work on these truth filters. How about that? Lord, thank you. Thanks for this time. Thanks for uh, creative cooks who came into this place and made such a great time, great fellowship meal. And thanks for the conversation around the tables and in these, uh, in these sessions. We thank you for it. Guide us, Lord, in the truth. In Jesus' name, amen.